0: I'm excited to guide you on your journey to transform your marketing efforts into something that provides consistent value and ultimately improves the lives of your audience. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of All Things Marketing and Education. I'm your host, Ilana, and today I have the absolute pleasure to chat with Dr. Sarah Thomas. I met Sarah on Twitter, like a lot of the educators, you're going to see a pattern, but I knew of her, I followed her tweets, but I met you, Sarah, for the first time at a South by Southwest EDU panel. And I was like going through my tweets going, gosh, you know, how long has it been? And you were talking about inequity and gender issues in education before any of this happened. And it was so inspiring. And I remember coming up to you after the panel. I'm like, oh my gosh, I get to meet you face to face. Oh, I was so geeked as well. I was just like, "I get to of a <laughs> <in my> face." <laughs> so, like, fast forward, what is that? That was like 2015. So, I've probably known you informally for like over 10 years, and got to be inspired by you and follow your progress on all social media and what you've done. Um, mm-hmm. Just to let you all know, what Sarah does. So, Sarah is a podcaster. Her podcast is called EduMatch Tweet and Talk. And we were just talking before this call about one of my first podcast experiences was with, with Sarah when she was doing live pop up kind of podcasting with educators. And it gave me the confidence to do some of this now of like, OK, maybe I'm not so horrible. in this. <laughs> you <know? laughs> when you get and you hear your voice, it's, it's always a, a trip to get used to. But mm-hmm. I think those moments of seeing people take the courage like you did really helped. Thank you. Um Thank you. And all of you will get to know this and feel this soon enough, but Sarah is a very passionate educator. She'll talk probably about her passion for mentoring, inspiring others, connecting others, especially in education. She founded EduMatch, which is an organization that connects educators across the globe to collaborate and combat isolation. We know teaching is such an isolated profession, especially in a pandemic. So she can talk a little bit about that. Um, On top of all that stuff, her day job, she's a a regional technology (laughs) coordinator in Maryland. Um, She's spoken and presented internationally um, and nationally. She helped refresh the 2017 ISTE standards for educators. So ISTE is I-S-T-E, so International Society of Technology Educators. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And she is a recipient of the ISTE Make It Happen Award. And last but not least, Sarah, I'm I'm giving you this big accolade because I've noticed that educators, when they introduce themselves, they usually just say one thing, and it's so important for our listeners to really understand your passion Aww. and what you've done. Um, so, last but not lot, last but not least, Sarah is a co-author of the ISTI Digital Equity Series: Closing the Gap, and. I know within Edumatch, you also publish lots of books as well. And yeah. I guess you also talk a little bit about that. And then I, I think... You guys don't get to see Sarah's smiling face, but I do. And every time I see this wonderful human, she makes me smile. So please help me welcome Sarah to all things
1: marketing and education. Oh, Thank you so much, my friend. It is so great to be here with you. And I'm super honored that you reached out to have me today. Um, and I'm super honored to, to chat with you and catch up and chat with your audience as well. Let's rewind a
0: bit to get started. So, a lot of what we do at Leone Consulting Group is help our clients reorient back to their why, their passion. Because sometimes that gets lost, especially in ed tech where you've got all of these things you got to do. But, kind of reorienting you back to Sarah, circa of just starting getting into education. Let's talk about your why a little bit. Like what initially drew you to the
1: world of education and being a teacher? So when I started in education, I actually came from a different field. I came from a radio, TV, film background. That was my my major for undergrad. And it was funny because right when I started undergrad, then my mom started teaching middle school French and I started going to her classroom and helping her out in terms of working with her students, helping her set up. Um, I saw the um, someone at her school was in an AV role. I was just like, I can totally see myself doing that. But of course, by the time I figured all this out, then I already had most of my credits done. So it was, uh, so um, I re-enrolled in grad school immediately afterwards and um, just, it was like serendipity. One day I came down the stairs, there was a flyer up, they were um, recruiting teachers for a nearby district through alternative certification. So I said, okay, here's my shot. And I applied, uh, they took me on and that's, that's how I got started. And I'm not going to lie and say it was an easy transition or an easy journey. It took me about maybe five years to, to really kind of get like, quote unquote, good. Um, not even good. I would say, okay, but, um, it took a while, uh, for me to find my bearings and uh, really, it's it, I was able to grow the most once I started being connected, and uh, you know, meeting so many awesome people such as yourself, and you know, other members of my PLN, and just getting great ideas I was able to use in my classroom. So. That's that's kinda how I got started. It took you is I don't know if this is correct, but
0: it took you about four years to to really get connected.
1: Yeah, yeah. It took it took quite a while. And um within those first five years I was at four different schools. So mm-hmm. uh definitely moving around was another thing that I did that that allowed me to kind of eventually find the school that was perfect for me. It was like a perfect fit. And I stayed there for like the next seven years. So it was, um, you know, so, so so it was a lot of uh, learning on the job and a lot of, I guess, trial and error, but um, a lot of growing pains at the beginning, but eventually just kind of finding my way.
0: I know you ended up moving out of the classroom into the district and eventually getting your PhD. How did that transition come about? Because I think that your journey is very intriguing to, to
1: many other educators that might be listening. I feel so lucky that fifth year, I would say, and I was able to find um, the role that was a perfect marriage of my skills as an educator, as well as my background in radio, TV, film. And I started working as a tech teacher in the schools and through Uh, that position. Then I learned about different opportunities in the county. There was a technology leadership academy where they kind of prepped you and that that gave me back so much confidence because my confidence was shot after those first four years. That technology leadership academy and the sharing technology with educators program, those really helped me get a lot of confidence back and see myself in a different light. Then I started learning more and more about what other people were doing and started bringing that into my classroom and then into my school And then into my district we had our very first ed camp in the district back in 2014 right after let me see i went to ed camp philly and just brought that back wait was it ed camp philly it might have been ed camp new jersey i'm sorry ed camp new jersey (laughs) and just kind of brought that back and um you know from there and just doing other things just trying to connect educators in the district um then i i already knew that my team that had my current team that when I was in the classroom had really been mentors to me and really you know helped me build my confidence back up. Um, I knew that that's a place where I wanted to be. I wanted to join the team so that um, all that they had poured into me, I'd be able to pour into others. So uh, when they did have an opening in 2015, then I applied and long story short, uh, I started back uh, in November, 2015 with the, with the tech team in my district.
0: Nice. And for for those that don't know Ed camps, do you mind just doing a quick side note about what what Ed camps are and how you got involved in them?
1: They are events that are totally participant driven, totally free. So people come in that day of, and then there's a board and they can write down anything that they want to share about, anything that they want to learn about. You know, people will come to that room at that time. If you can picture a matrix. Um, so there's different rooms and different times on the different axes. And so folks will sign up for whatever they want to share about whatever they want to learn about. And then when you get in there, then it's like, everyone has a conversation. So it's not like a presenter. Um, you know, there's just, there's just conversations and lots of great ideas get spread. So huge, huge, huge. I'm a huge fan of EdCamps.
0: Yeah. And in the show notes, we'll put a link to the EdCamp Foundation, um, which I believe is now under the realm of Digital Promise. So we'll, we'll send you a link if you're interested in exploring EdCamps in your area. But like Sarah said, there, I got very involved in it as well, um, was a part of a lot of the EdCamps on the California side and was inspired by what you all were doing in, in EdCamp Philly and the the early days, but they were originally inspired by bar camps over in San Mateo, Silicon Valley, and those were startup driven. So it's, it's very much DIY unconferences. You go and you get to figure out what you want to learn and you talk with people that are just as passionate about you. And that's, awesome and um, unfortunately it is a little bit novel in education where educators are kind of told what to learn and how to learn and and dictated pd in a lot of senses so imagine when you can say no i want to learn this and there's right. really inspiring around and, and i'm not it's not sit and get we're right. all like you see there's no presenter so i just i mean we could talk forever about ed camps <laughs> oh they are awesome
1: yes <laughs> yeah
0: So tell me a little bit about your current role. I'm more wondering, you have a a role with a different vantage point where you get to see multiple classrooms and, and different teachers. And then your work with EduMatch, you get to connect with educators all around the nation and the world. What's... What has been your biggest challenge maybe in your role or what have you seen the biggest challenge from your vantage point with EduMatch?
1: There is so much overlap with what I do 9 to 5 and what I do with EduMatch, um, you know, in terms of just being able to kind of see and hear what kind of challenges folks are having. And I mean, what kind of growth folks are having as well, you know, like I I would say that um, the 2020 school year um 2020 to 2021 then i saw um as a as a regional tech coordinator then um i saw in my district just so many people growing like educators students uh parents you know um and i saw just a renewed focus on partnership with parents and just ways to reach out to them and things of that nature um now in this school year 2021 to 22 then I think that a lot of people thought that going back would be like so much easier, but there is just so much going on right now. Cause I mean, we're still in a pandemic. People have so many mandates, you know, there's this this pressure to catch up with learning loss and things like that. I don't believe in the concept of learning loss, but you know, that's one thing that's being pushed very heavily right now. So, um, you know, I feel, I feel like that, that kind of does a disservice to our kids. Um, when we need to be focusing on the whole child, you know, we need to be focusing on their social emotional because they've been through a lot. We've been through a lot, you know, as educators. So, um, so really, you know, I've seen some districts that have um, implemented these days where students can take um, mental health days, like once a quarter, or it might be once a semester. My district does that. um, And I know that a few others do as well. Um, And I feel like that's, that, is, that should be a primary area of focus because there's just so much going on right now. So I would also equally advocate for that support going to educators as well. Like uh, Mandy Fralick, um, I will give her a huge shout out. She does a lot of work around educator mental health. I think that that's definitely something that, that we need to be focused on right now.
0: Yeah. And if you weren't going to say it, I was going to jump in and say, I, I I want to have mandatory days for educators as well for mental health. And yeah. I want them to not feel guilty for taking the time off because they don't have the subs that can can substitute their classrooms and yeah. <laughs> It's so hard and something I'm pretty passionate about, too. So we'll, we'll link to Mandy in the show notes as well. I've listened to a podcast recently that you were on, and you said that the pandemic put the inequities kind of right in your face as well. Can you talk more about the inequities you were seeing and maybe how it, if it has
1: transformed now, thinking about like year two in a pandemic? During the pandemic, then whatever inequities that were not at the surface, then they very quickly came to the surface when a lot of schools and districts had to transition to emergency remote learning. Um, I know that there were a lot of adjustments that needed to be made, and hopefully those adjustments were made so that students could get what they need. I've heard from from colleagues and peers around the country and around the world that, that sometimes their schools and districts were able to be responsive to, to what students needed, but a lot of times they fell short. And, um, you know, this also comes into play when we talk about the, the preparedness of educators to be able to teach in this style. So I know that for our district, then educators really stepped up to the plate in our district, I was just really, really inspired to see that. We had some boot camps, <laughs> so to speak, during spring break when everything shut down. And I remember that we had a week off for the students. The students could just kind of do what they did. We had spring break right before that. So, so the educator spring break was still there. But when we came back, we had an extra week for students and the educators in our district were um, attending different sessions on how they could deliver instruction remotely. So, you know, all of these things that we've been advocating for in terms of digital equity for years and years and years, then really the need became urgent and critical uh, when the pandemic first began. And it's still urgent and critical. Uh, One thing that I'm seeing, though, that uh, and that I'm hearing a lot about is that some people are starting to regress to what they consider normal, and that is, to me, that's 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 a bit disheartening because I feel that now we have the capacity to do things, to do um, authentic learning for our students, and I want to encourage um, just all educators to continue to build upon their gains. Um, so that you know, once you have this capacity, then you need to continue to. E- exercises so you don't lose it. And it makes a tremendous difference for our students to be able to have opportunities to apply their learning in a transformational way. So I would definitely say just keep it up. So Sarah, talk to me about your current
0: role and your experience on the ground when the pandemic hit. I'm, I'm, super curious of just, you got the notice that, you know, all of these district or your district is probably going virtual at the time or not really sure there's a lot of uncertainty and you're at the helm with a lot of initiatives. And then you're also trying to support other educators nationally and internationally that might be going through similar things. So at that moment, I'm sure the challenges were incredible, but how have they evolved over time with the pandemic?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to definitely salute all of the educators in my district and all of the students, all of the parents who came together to to make last school year a success. Um, there was some intensive, uh, I would say capacity building, so to speak. It was, it was necessary capacity building, emergency capacity building, but long story short, people stepped up in a major way in a short period of time. Um, so definitely, You know, um, not just in my district, but around the country, around the world, even. Um, I have a friend over in the Philippines who is telling me about her uh, school's journey and just, you know, everything that they've had to do in this uh, in this time as well. So it's definitely been a um, it's definitely been a challenging school year. Last year was a challenging school year, but it was one where I would say that a lot of um, a lot of people grew in so many different ways and a lot of connections were strengthened. Um, This year going back then, I think a lot of people thought that it might be easier, but it's really, it's not easier because um, for so many reasons. Uh, First, we have, I would say nationwide, a teacher shortage. And that definitely impacts, um, you know, that definitely impacts everyone. Um, And not just teachers, but just all roles uh, when it comes to like bus drivers, that That is a huge um, – I see that on the news all the time about the bus drivers. And in addition to that, then there's this whole concept of learning loss that uh, has been floated out, and, you know, there's this pressure to catch up. And I feel that that the pressure, that this kind of pressure is um, – it's detrimental, you know. It's detrimental in a lot of ways because um, our students have been through a lot – Our you know our peers and colleagues have been through a lot parents have been through a lot so we really need to focus on just supporting supporting them as well i would say that that would be like the main priority that uh if i could prioritize like what to what to put in order then then definitely that support um but there's a lot of there's a lot of stress and there's a lot of anxiety in the air so you know that's that's kind of the times that we're in right now and hopefully hopefully it'll get better you know
0: Yeah. And if you are a marketer um, in an education brand listening to this, I think it's very critical to listen to what Sarah was saying around the word support and, and not really using those buzz catchphrases like learning loss that can really add to anxiety and are like so ambiguous. I can't even like there's we could talk about all of the intricacies and the complexities of what learning loss truly is and to who and and all that does is compound anxiety on a, a very anxious situation already. But I, anything else you want to add to that as we talk to kind of marketers that are are also trying to gain attention of yours, where you're at the helm a lot with technology and integrating that, and also getting attention of educators in the trenches in the classroom every day?
1: Yeah, definitely. So... To, uh, to your audience who may be marketers, and I would say um, definitely look for the value ads. Um, you know, this is, this is a time where, again, a lot of people need support and just, just seeing where, where you can help. Um, I saw a lot of companies step up during the pandemic and um, we're still in the pandemic, but a lot of companies step up right at the beginning and say, Hey, you know, we see that you're doing this remote learning and this is the way that we can help. We can offer you a few months free of X, Y, and Z. And I I thought that that was great to see, you know, definitely prioritizing people over profit. Um, And I thought that that was that was very warming and inspiring to to, um, to see companies that that operated in that way. Yeah,
0: and that is a theme. So, if any of you all listen to the other episodes, I talk at Nauseum, and so do a lot of our guests. And I don't I don't tell them to talk this way, but they say value driven. Think about the benefit you can authentically give to educators in their time of need. Please don't waste their time. Please don't make the situation worse by you know, creating more anxiety and scare tactics around things that haven't been defined and are are heavily debatable. <laughs> Let's just say that.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally.
0: Um, we have talked about inequities p- prior to the pandemic, but I know you are fairly outspoken in I- inequities because you can see it so clearly. And the pandemic, if nothing else, has really shown a spotlight on on the actual inequities. We've been talking about them forever, but all of a sudden, we have to go from zero to 100% digital. What's standing in our way? Inequity. So, can maybe talk a little bit about what your district or maybe your community had to face, and and how we're slowly tackling them, and maybe what you think the future is because there i think we were talking earlier about potential regression
1: too in our district at the time of the beginning of the pandemic right before it hit then our situation we had uh some one-to-one schools and we we had um probably for the rest of the district we had maybe two to one on devices things of that nature um we had some families who had access families who did not you know to the internet to to high speed internet at home um and we had students um, students that had devices at home you know dedicated devices and, and those who did not so when the pandemic um began then our superintendent moved very very quickly and what she did was just i i have to salute her and commend her on this um she was able to implement something to provide a device to each student in the county. So um, the carts that we had in the schools that were just kind of collecting dust while the schools were closed, then she checked out a laptop to each student, not just each family, but each student. And in addition to that, um, if the students did not have Wi-Fi at home, then there was a hotspot program. So they were able to um, check out hotspots, and that would support them in virtual learning. So it was a very, very quick and efficient process. Um, so that was one thing that that I really did love seeing. Um, and I know that some other districts also responded in a similar manner. Um, currently, now at this uh, this point of the school year, and our district is still one to one, and students are still um, you know they're still taking their devices home. Um, and in in many schools, I can't say all schools because I don't know that for sure, but um, but they do have you know access to their own devices that they can use. So I think that that's that's one way that our district was able to hold on to the gains.
0: Reflecting on you, like you've got a lot going on. You have a challenging role in a pandemic in education. You've got a podcast. You've got everything you do with EduMatch. How like what? drives you when you think about it all because you were like so many educators are doing a lot but when I meet people like you you're doing things on top of things like what drives you and what what keeps you going what gives you hope because there, these have been tough times like the, you have also optimistically shown how educators have risen up and how admins and parents and everyone did rise up so there's been great benefit but not without tough Challenging times, right? H- how do you keep going? What's driving
1: you through all this? Yeah, totally. And I, I, really appreciate your kind words like that. That just makes me smile so much. Yeah. But um, for me personally, then uh, I'm inspired by the change, the the changes I've seen over time, and the changes that I hope to continue to see. I hope to be part of the change. Um, and you know, I just one thing that I've noticed. I've been teaching now for, I've been a teacher for 17 years. And in those 17 years, I've been connected for about maybe seven or eight of them. I've already seen a major shift um, in our space, in our educational space, because as you were saying before, when we were talking about the ed camps, then a lot of times then we were, um, as educators, you know, we were being told, okay, this this is who you need to listen to. You need to listen to this person because they're on a stage, they have a microphone, they know what they're doing. To listen to this person, and that person may or may not, you know, be in the field of education. They may or may not have anything to do with education, but because they say XYZ, then that's what, you know, what you need to follow. And I've seen a shift from that to, hey, let's listen to one another. Like that's, you know, the expert that I want to learn from is a person down the hall, or the person across town, or the person in another state, or the person in another country, you know, and It's been kind of like a democratization of education and we're able to see the, you know, the experts that the expertise that that each person has in them. And I think that that's been something that I've really, really loved to see. So with Edumatch, then uh, one thing that we really believe in is empowering the expert within and having people share their stories. That's one thing that's like really driving me because I love seeing that change. I love seeing that shift. I love hearing and seeing more voices represented when it comes to what being a quote unquote expert looks like.
0: This is slight, it's not gonna sound cynical, but uh, it's somewhat ironic, but it took this major shift. It took a pandemic to really ensue this major shift to say in a profession, why don't we look towards the educators? to really be that guiding light, to be that hope, to. To inspire others, I know I don't want to discredit all the wonderful organizations that were doing it prior. I was part of one, Edutopia, where our entire mantra was to uplift educator voices and to give them the confidence to know what they're doing is truly amazing and innovative. Because you are in this like little box sometimes, you just don't know if you're if you're not connected to other educators. And when Sarah talks about being connected, you know, we're not talking about being in the mafia. <laughs> I feel like sometimes we say this, you know, like we're connected. It's intentionally finding your professional learning network. And a lot of times we use the the acronym PLN or PLC when we're thinking about in schools. But how do you learn? Who do you learn from? Who do you want to be inspired? You know, you can curate your own cadre of people that will share and selflessly give and that's what i found every day at edutopia being at the helm of social media of just gosh so many educators like you would go above and beyond and help people you didn't even know and that's what inspires me and it sounds like it's the same for you too it's just like hey no you are awesome you need to know it and then that activates them and then it spreads like wildfire
1: oh yeah yeah absolutely and thank you for for all of that work i remember I remember, like, back in the day when we first connected and I was just like, oh, my goodness, this, this woman is magical. Just what she does, just giving so many people a voice. I, I absolutely appreciate you and just everything that you've done, you know, for, for the field. Thank you.
0: I was just in awe of all of you doing it. I mean, it's so much easier for me to uplift your voice than actually do it. And I can't even imagine what you all have been through within the pandemic. I've been seeing it from afar. And I guess this brings me to my next question is around educator burnout, because burnout's always high with educators. It's a very tough, tough profession. But It's the worst I've ever seen it. And I'd love to hear your perspective on just where you think it's at. Um, We're also seeing um, correlatory teacher dropout rates now for the first time. There's that teacher shortage you were talking about from substitutes, but also bus drivers and critical staff that help complement the efforts of education. So things are tough. Um, I'd love to just hear your perspective on it and maybe some advice you'd give to educators that are teetering, you know, so many educators. and in a community I'm helping, helping build around educators and just helping them thrive. They're crying almost every day, you know, and that breaks my heart. So how how do you talk to that person that's just, you know, teetering on the edge every day?
1: There's so much going on nowadays. Like there's just things being thrown left and right at folks. That is a huge concern. Like when I go on Twitter, just everything I'm seeing in my timeline is, you know, people saying, So and so walked out today or I want to quit or have you thought about quitting? And I mean, it's 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 a lot, you know, like folks are really going through it. And so that burnout that you're talking about is so real, you know, Um, when it comes to, you know, the extra that people are are having to deal with because of the shortages or because of the quote unquote catching up, you know, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. And and folks are really stressed out. So for those who um, who are kind of still hanging on by a thread, there was a great podcast that I listened to Jennifer Gonzalez called a pedagogy. She had like a great episode about what to do, you know, and one of the things that she ended the episode with is if it's that, you know, if it's really bad, and you're about to walk out then at that point, maybe just start saying no, you know, because what do you have to lose, you know, if you're already about to walk out? So that's that's one thing that she said that really resonated with me. Try try that, you know, try that last ditch effort, you know, and and it doesn't even have to be a last ditch effort. Just along the way, establish boundaries and be, you know, be transparent if if there's something that you really, truly cannot take on. Then um, let that be known. A lot of times, we think that duties as assigned, other duties as assigned. You know, we think that that's like, you know, that 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 we just have to we just have to do it. But I would say that communication. You know, uh, that communication piece. If you're drowning, then then let that be known. You know,
0: beyond all that you mentioned is that so many things that teachers had are being taken away because there is that shortage. So t- teacher teacher. Prep periods, and it's you know it's not okay if it's every once in a while at that point, but it's definitely not okay if it's all of the time, and that's what we're seeing with educators now is just. And you're right. One of the things we are looking at is I see the community every day in social media and other communities just support each other and say it's okay to say no, set those boundaries because when you say no, you're saying yes to yourself. You might be saying yes to your kids. so, and educators are so selfless that it's really hard yeah. and they're guilty, you know, I, I can't say no. <laughs>
1: right, it's hard, but you know, sometimes it's necessary and yeah. Oh, and one more thing that I would say is also know when it's time to, to reach out for that extra help, you know, that external help. So I'm a huge proponent of if you need to speak with a counselor or, you know, some kind of professional because you're in that place, Um, where you need help to get out yourself, recognize those signs and don't be afraid to reach out if you do need to get uh, if you do need to get that professional help. There's absolutely no shame in that.
0: Yeah. One of our recent podcasts were was with Nicholas Propenzano and he talked openly and talks openly about educator mental health. And he says, you have to model it, you know, you have to be transparent about it. And it's okay, if you do need help to reach out, and maybe not even like beyond even mental health too, it can go towards reaching out to other educators, hey, over here, I need help. Um, And Maybe that's a great transition to what you do for EduMatch too. Can you talk a little bit about what that organization is and potentially how other people that are thinking of or feeling slightly isolated or wanna learn more can check it out and benefit from it?
1: EduMatch is, um, I don't know if I can say grassroots anymore but it started out very grassroots. Just a few folks just kind of getting together on social media, on Twitter things of that nature, but, um, you know, over the years we've kind of grown. And one thing I do want to point out very early is that there are different edumatches out there. So the one that I'm talking about is edumatch.org um edumatchpublishing.com you'll see like an apple heart logo thingy so that's the one i saw today that there's one in australia um when someone tagged us um saying that they had an interview with them and i was just like oh yeah no that's not us and there's another one that does like robocalls but no we are the one with the u.s trademark (laughs) so um so edumatch is a community of uh educators around the world uh learning and growing together just for the best interest of our students and uh we do a lot of different things in the past we've done ed camps we've done podcasts we've done twitter chats um currently we do a lot of uh publishing books we've published about maybe uh, 60 70 books at this point i've kind of lost count but uh these books are all by educators for educators and um Let's see, we also do professional learning. So uh, we're a recognized Google for education professional development partner. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's kind of, oh, and we also have a nonprofit branch, and we just started giving out mini grants to educators. Um, so we just did our second round of that. that we're about to announce uh, in January, I believe. So, so yeah, so that's, that's EduMatch in a nutshell.
0: That's exciting. I think one thing that resonated when you were talking about Edgematch prior is that a lot of educators have bucket lists that they feel like they're never going to achieve. And sometimes you just need that person to say, why can't you do that? And you were talking earlier about your experience where you were just beaten down. You didn't feel like you had the confidence, but you reached out and created a community of educators that could support you and give you that confidence. So I think it's amazing that all of a sudden you've got people writing books that never thought they could write books.
1: Thank you. I really do appreciate that. And yeah, the, I, I just wanted to be able to create something that I wish I had when I started. Um, but I, I would say that I did not, uh, I can't take credit for EduMatch. The community, you know, the credit belongs to the community. Everyone who's joined and brought their ideas and brought their, um, you know, their their passion and everything to our community. That's what's really built it.
0: If you could say something to those educators that have self-doubt or maybe have that unchecked bucket list idea or this crazy idea in education. Do you have anything that you might do for those people that might not have a PLN yet, a connected educator network? Is there something that you, that helped you get that confidence? I know it's probably not one um, sentence,
1: but. Right. I hear you. I I feel like, I feel like the key is, um, the key is that network. And I know that that may sound counterintuitive, but it's so easy to start creating it. Like if you are already using social media for anything, like if you have Facebook that you use, you know, with, with your family, then if you look, there's an educator community there and you can already, you know, start looking for groups and sign up and find other educators that are like-minded and just start talking to them, get to know them beyond uh, the surface level, start, start making friends. And from there you can see where it'll take you. Like it, blew my mind where it took me. I never expected anything, you know, anything fruitful to even come out of match. When I set up the very first uh, tweet from the account, I thought that it was going to be a joke and just, you know, fall flat. And it, it, it didn't work out that, you know, it didn't turn out that way. Thankfully, it actually caught on and became uh, something, something that's still going seven, seven plus years later, eight years, seven, seven years later. So, um, you know, I, I would say go for it. But Definitely get your people, get your people around you.
0: Yeah. And I think that can be daunting. So I love how you created some, some just easy tips of like, you know, if, if you're on Facebook, find some Facebook groups. If you're connected to one educator, potentially you can connect to other educators one-on-one on Facebook. If you're on Twitter, follow some hashtags, start joining some Twitter chats. If there's, there's a myriad of ways you can join societies like ISTE in membership programs and Cozen, and there's all sorts of, you know, elementary educators. There's, there's, whatever you want, there is an area for you and how niche you want to go. So it, it opens up a whole new world. I've seen Sarah just like, I've seen you grow so much. And Thank now you, you. you're like a, a leader of a nonprofit and a big organization and you're you you know you're a doctor, you've got. So I just, I'm so proud of everybody around that have just flourished and, and I don't know if we would have gotten through the pandemic without people like you at the helm, like I, I didn't even talk to all of you because I'm like, they are busy. (laughs) They are busy.
1: Oh my goodness. I I appreciate you so much. Like, uh, and, and you too, I mean, just everything that you do, I can't say it enough. I know I said it already this episode, but I, I just cannot say enough, just everything that you do and how thankful I am for you. Thank you. Well, I think, To end this podcast,
0: one of the questions we always ask people is inspiration. And we talked a little bit about what drives you, but is there anything that you've done that you do repeatedly as a habit that you've read, that you've watched, that you've heard something that has inspired you that you could leave? And again, we'll put this, all these resources in our show notes too. So don't worry, but is there something that comes to mind
1: or maybe many things that, inspire or have inspired you? Oh, man. I know I sound like a broken record yet again, but it's the people. The people are constantly inspiring me. The people that I meet in my PLN, um, you know, through, through Twitter, through Voxer, through Facebook, and just their ideas. Um, I would say, like, speaking of these different tools, um, then Voxer has really been my go-to over the years, I kind of stepped away during the pandemic, but I'm starting to find my way back to it. Uh, but just the voice connections that you're able to have with so many people. So I'm gonna cheat and say <laughs> going on Boxer is is um has been an inspiration to me, and just like listening to so many different groups and seeing what everyone's up to.
0: And if you don't know how to get on Boxer and find educators, is there a guide or tips on that? Because I know that that is a little bit nebulous. When I first got on Boxer, it's like, what groups do I want to be a part of? <laughs>
1: yeah yeah definitely yes it's um so for boxer it is hard because there's no less searchable you know database or anything like that a few friends and i tried to come up with one a few years ago and i think that that is still probably pretty comprehensive um i'm sure more groups have popped up since then but there's about maybe 50 or 60 groups if you go to the ed squad.org forward slash boxer then there's uh about 50 groups and some of them might be dormant but some- sometimes it just takes like one message from someone to just wake those groups up.
0: Great. Well, I appreciate you so much, Sarah. This has been really enlightening. And I just selfishly love connecting with people that I haven't been able to in so, so long. So thank you for everything you've done. And it sounds like your district has done a ton. So we will give them a shout out in the show notes as well. Um, Sarah, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, anything that you are just need to get out there to educators or marketers listening to this podcast?
1: Um, I would just say that I would love to connect with anyone who's listening right now. So uh, you can find me online at Sarah, D-A-T-E-E-C-H-U-R. So I love to talk shop. I love to just connect with folks and, and see what they're doing, what they're learning, what they're sharing. So uh, definitely reach out and I'd love to love to connect with you. And edumatch at edumatch.org. Is that yeah, edumatch.org. And that links out to everything. Um, so we have our Uh, Publishing site, our professional learning site, our nonprofit site, and I think that that's those are the ones. (laughs) I'm trying to like keep track of all of them.
0: Well, awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for sitting down with us today, Sarah, and sharing your passion with so many people and to all of our listeners. Thank you for joining us. We hope that you find these conversations beneficial, whether you're a marketer or an educator, if you're a marketer, I want you to understand what's the day in the life of an educator, like from different variety of educators from all around the nation. How do you talk to them? What do they care about? Um, From an educator standpoint, I want you to be intrigued by these awesome people. inspired by what they do in their journey. So please let us know if there's anything else we can ask these guests. Um, you can access these these show notes at leoneconsultinggroup.com. So our website, leoneconsultinggroup.com backslash seven, the number seven. So we'll do detailed notes. Anything that we have mentioned will be on there. And we will also summarize the key findings, give you some pretty images, the whole thing. So Make sure to check out those show notes, and we will see you all next time on the next episode of All Things Marketing and Education. Thanks, everyone. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. If you liked what you heard and want to dive deeper, you can visit leoniconsultinggroupcom backslash podcast for all show notes, links, and freebies mentioned in each episode. And we always love friends, so please connect with us on Twitter at group. If you enjoyed today's show, go ahead and click the subscribe button to be the first one notified when our next episode is released. We'll see you next week on all things marketing and education.